0: Gary Coleman. I bet you'd never think that Gary Coleman would be the word of the day for nothing personal on September 25th, 2020. Gary Coleman was a child actor who died 10 years ago, and he played a character in a sitcom called Different Strokes. Different Strokes was about a wealthy white man who adopted two inner city black boys and what their life was together on Park Avenue. Their building was 900 Park Avenue, by the way, when you see the outside of the building at the beginning of the show. Gary Coleman had an expression, and it was, what you talking about, Willis? Willis was his brother, played by Todd Bridges, and that has become a symbol. What you talking about, Willis? I can't really imitate it well. It becomes a symbol of, hey, what? I don't understand what you're saying. Here at Nothing Personal, we take what people say, We try to translate it for you, try to explain why they're saying what they're saying and call people out when they're saying what they don't mean. They mean what they don't say. And boy, did it happen yesterday. That's a rhyme coke on a random Friday afternoon. Did you read about college football? Another walk back yesterday. The Pac-12 is back. The Pac-12 is one of the Power Five conferences in college football that had delayed or postponed fall football. They voted yesterday that they're going to start their season this fall in November, thereby becoming the second power five conference to reverse course following the big 17. They plan to start sometime in November, play seven games. They will have a conference title game sometime in December, Be eligible for bowls, not that any of their teams ever make it to the college football championship game, maybe once in a while. I think the last time was a few years ago. Somebody lost to Alabama, is my recollection, but I may be wrong. But Oregon, the great state of Oregon, has a university in the Pac 12. The president's name is Michael Schill. Hold your applause. Michael Schill. He had a quote after the vote. That is, is it, we're too deep into nothing personal to say something's a top 10 quote. There's too many. I'd have to make a list, maybe for an end of month bonus mailbag pod. Top 10 quotes dissected in the first year of nothing personal. Here's what President Michael Schill said. Hold your applause to the end. Try not to laugh. Don't hit pause. I'm going to get right through it. When talking about the decision to play and the vote that was taken, he said, this has nothing to do with money. That was never discussed as a consideration. Mic drop. I'm going to spend two minutes on it, but I could spend zero minutes on it. Although Coca taught me as we're preparing for the show, if you can spend zero minutes on something, then do it. So I can't spend zero minutes on this. When a conference chooses not to play fall sports and football is a fall sport, we have made a case here on nothing personal and it has been dispositive. Money has everything to do with everything that happens in big time college sports including, but not limited to, limited to, but especially college football. We know the budget cuts that have taken place in these universities. Talked about it. We know the lawsuits that have taken place. We've talked about it. We know the push and pull between the academic world and the athletic world. We've talked about it. We know the student athletes are unpaid. They're really athletes. They're supposed to be students, so they just call them student athletes to make themselves feel better. We've talked about it. What we also know for certain is that when presidents meet, whether you are running a stationary store on the corner and you are meeting in your community of stationary store owners, or you run a technology company and you go to a convention or a conference and meet amongst yourselves, or you are in sports. And players meet with management, or management meets with management, or players meet with players. Every board meeting that's ever taken place in every company that's ever been incorporated, with zero exceptions, the conversation is about money. Period. Why can't Michael Schill take the microphone and say the following? I recognize that many of you are trying to understand how the Pac-12 could make a different decision so soon after postponing fall sports. One of the developments that has taken place is the now available rapid COVID testing which will give us an opportunity to test all players, all staff, and all people in contact with any players and staff the day before a game, the day of game, thereby ensuring to the best of our current knowledge and ability that it is safe for all athletes, coaches, staff, fans, classmates, and professors to play football. I further acknowledge that the decision not to play had incredibly deleterious impacts on the budget of our school. The impact of not playing football would be felt by students who would never go to a game, don't watch a game, and are focused on their areas of academic interest. I am further aware of the incredibly difficult decisions I've had to make here at Oregon because of that loss of revenue and because of the pandemic. If there were anything that we could do to get that revenue back, however much of it we can recoup and recapture, we were going to do it. The minute rapid testing became available, that was the hook that we needed to be able to convince our board our state, local, and federal leaders that we can go ahead and play. I promise to you that we will continue to make sure that safety above all is the number one consideration. But I cannot tell you that money and revenue was not a factor. What would be wrong with that? Why are people so ashamed and embarrassed to admit that money's a consideration? Why would he take the microphone, President Michael Schill of Oregon, and say a statement that is so blatantly outrageously false and think that that will be a way to curry favor with students or athletes or professors or parents or donors or boosters or government officials it makes them look foolish. Here we are on a random Friday. I find myself saying we go to the well a little too often. I guess we do go to the well, nothing personal, because when people provide content, you know we're going to grab it. And if you're a Jets fan, I apologize. Not really. That your head coach and your organization Is wonderful. Adam Gase was at it again. Gold. It's literally gold. The Jets are 0 2. They stink. He's going to get fired. He should get fired. He's done coaching in the NFL. And the reason I know is that he's starting to say things that coaches say when they know that they're in the ninth inning and they're down 15 runs. There's two outs, there's no one on, and I'm at the plate. They have a receiver, a second-year receiver. He played for the Washington football team last year. His name is Jamison Crowder. He got hurt this week. Their top three wide receivers are out. Their top running back's out. Doesn't matter. Injuries are happening happening all over football, as you know and as has been well-documented. He took to the microphone, Adam Gase did, and he said when asked, who's going to play wide receiver for you this week against the Baltimore Colts? And he answered by saying the the Indianapolis Colts, obviously. They're not playing the Ravens. The Baltimore Colts have not been the Baltimore Colts in 100 years. Sorry. Who's going to play wide receiver for you against the Indianapolis Colts? And he looked into the microphone, then he looked into the camera, and he said, and I quote, whoever has a pulse right now. So here's what happens in the jet locker room. Line them up, guys. Line them up. Give me your fingers. Pointer, please. If you're not watching on YouTube, I'm sticking my pointer into the pulse oximeter. The pretend pulse oximeter. Mine's in the bedroom. Next to the bed, used every day, thrice. Still 99, thank you. Stick your finger in. While you're sticking your finger in, we've got a makeup mirror. If you could do me a favor and breathe on the mirror with your finger in the pulse oximeter. We're looking for two things, gentlemen. Can you fog up the mirror? And do you have a pulse? Those of you who get a yes to one, not both, one, step to the right. Those of you who get zero, step to the left. Those of you who both have a pulse and can fog up a mirror, you're way too good to be a jet, you may go home for the day. Oh, you're good. Ooh, what? You don't have to draw a smiley face. Just can you fog it up? All right, you're good. Okay, ooh, aren't you an assistant trainer? Wait, all right, we'll take it. Thank you. you wait a minute. N- no. N- no, you're not playing anymore. Antonio, sorry, we're not playing you. No, no, neither is Des. Hold on, Pulse. All right, you're in. How would you like to be an owner of the Jets? Woody Johnson in the UK, Chris Johnson in New York. And your coach says that, hey, we'll play anybody, just have a Pulse embarrassing. Completely embarrassing. Who's watching NBA? I am. What a game last night. Jamal Murray. <clears throat> Coca, why did I get criticized on Twitter for saying that Jamal Murray posterized LeBron James? Someone said that posterizing has to be with a dunk. They said, shut up and stick to baseball. That's not what posterizing means. Posterizing is when you do something that is a poster, that can be a poster. And if you've got LeBron James with his hands in the air and you've got Jamal Murray going down, under, around, through, reverse layup, you've been posterized. And I don't mean pasteurized. It's not milk. It's a poster. That's going to be a poster. One of the most famous layups since Jordan's layup in the finals when he did the dip in the under, Julius Irving had one again against, uh, the Lakers. I think, boy, someone tell me, look back on the Julius Irving. Was there a basketball player for the Lakers named Mark Landisberg? I have this strange recollection, like L-A-N-D-E-S-B-U-R-G, maybe. And I think that LeBron, LeBron, that Julius Irving, who, by the way, his hands take both of my hands. That's one of Julius Irving's hands. An unbelievable layup. Wasn't a dunk. That's a poster. LeBron got beaten on that play. Jamal Murray's making himself a star during these playoffs. We talked about him in the first round when they came back 3-1 to against Utah. It's Mark Landsberger. Thank you, Coca. That was a tough find for you, wasn't it? How long did that take for you to identify Mark Landsberger? <laughs> you say not long because it's, it's, bon- it's the contract drive for Coca. So he's on it. He's got like 10 tabs open. He's in the ear. He's on the document. He's on it. Sharp as a tack. No bathroom breaks during the show today. So Jamal Murray's becoming a star. The Nuggets are again down 3-1 to the Lakers. As you know, we had the Nuggets getting six. That ended up a push, so we're still 20-14. and But the game was interesting because if you watched it, LeBron James was at the free throw line quite a bit yesterday. Did you notice that? Back in the day, all through the years of my love of the NBA, decades old, there's always been opportunities for teams to complain to the league office about referees. In baseball, when we felt like we weren't getting calls or the Marlins were always being treated as second class citizens, uh, especially during the 03 one run when we knew no one wanted us to win we, uh, and, and advance, we would speak to the league office and we actually had a feeling. That the umpires had been spoken to to make sure that the Marlins did not advance. Now, I don't believe that umpires or referees can 100% control that, but as a major league umpire at home plate, you can certainly squeeze. As an NBA referee, even though there's a coach's challenge, you can do a block, you can do an offensive foul. I always felt as a Nick fan that Jordan got every single call. And it it's anecdotal. It feels that way. It's like feeling like your team does not get the runner in from third with one out or fewer ever, even though they do do it half the time, which is about the average in the league. It just feels like you only remember the times when they don't get the runner in. So I would always remember the times that Jordan would get the call versus when he wouldn't. Last night's game, LeBron and Anthony Davis shot 28 combined free throws, more than the Nuggets had as a team. LeBron James and the Lakers had complained to the league office that they were not being properly treated by the referees. And boy, did the referees respond. You know what actually happens before playoff games? League officials speak to the umpires. They have a meeting. The umpires know exactly the score of the series. They know the importance of the game. They know everything that matters in that particular game. If there is a milestone that could be reached by a player, what the implications are of that game. They get it given to them. NBA referees are the exact same thing. They know exactly what the league wants. They want the Lakers in the NBA finals. Let there be no doubt that a LeBron finals against the Miami Heat or the LeBron finals against the Celtics, hearkening back to the days of your lore or I think it's days of your Y-O-R-E. That would be perfect for the NBA. If I'm running the Nuggets, I am making the league office aware that I'm aware that I know that you know that they know that you've spoken to the referees and that I think it's a bunch of BS. Let this game be decided on the court. It's going to be very fascinating. The league office will deny, just like MLB would always deny. Yeah, we never would tell referees or umpires what we want. Don't buy it for a minute. There is spoken words, there are unspoken words, there is clarity of purpose before every single playoff game in every single league. It's going to be interesting to see what the Lakers do. Can the Nuggets come back from three games to one? Do they have a chance to do it an unprecedented three straight times? They already did it to the Jazz, they did it to the Clippers. Can they make it a clean sweep of L.A.? I do not think it's going to be possible. Did anyone notice in the fourth quarter of yesterday's game who was not a factor? Anyone by chance? Anyone? His name is NJ. Jokic. 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 Five personal fouls. On and off the court during the fourth quarter and non-factor during the fourth quarter. Do you know what else NBA referees know? How many fouls every player has. During a timeout, when you see three referees getting together and talking, they're not talking about what they're doing tonight for dinner. It's not like Bull Durham. They're going through how many timeouts each club has. They're talking about the exact foul situation of each player, notably the stars. How many times have you seen an NBA star with five fouls? He's guarding someone. There's a double team. A foul is called. The non-superstar with fewer than five fouls raises his hand as though to remind the referee who to call a foul on. Don't call it on my superstar. Call it on me. Only when it is so obvious at the end of a game when teams have to foul and a guy with five fouls has to take that sixth foul. Do referees not have a choice? Jokic was completely ineffective in the fourth quarter. It cost the Nuggets. Watch games with that eye toward calls. Actually, you know what, Coca, don't do that. Here's why. I don't want to ruin watching games for you. Just enjoy. One of the things when you work in sports for as long as I did, you can't enjoy the games the way you used to when I was just a fan, the way when you're you're not just a fan. Being a fan is the most important thing of all. I want to watch games. I'm trying to get back to that, watching as a fan. But I'm watching the referees. I'm watching the umpires. I'm looking around. I'm looking at signage. I'm doing all these different things except watching the game and being tremendously emotionally invested. I'll get to it. Lakers, one win away. How great is it going to be having LeBron back in the finals against the Heat, no less, or even the Celtics? All right, we're 20 and 14 on the nothing personal pick of the day. You know the expression? There's a good one. It's called old habits die hard. The reason why that's a good expression is that they do. I'm taking the Celtics minus three. The Celtics are not going to lose in five games to the Heat. They're going to lose to the Heat, but not in five. I'm trying it again. Celtics minus three. I'd like to be up by a touchdown. Twenty and fourteen, right now. Get it. I'd like to be up by a touchdown. All right, Coca, let's answer some questions. You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk to Samson. Thank you, Coca. So you want to talk to Samson? You know what that is. If you're a first time listener, thank you. That means somebody told you about nothing personal and then you can tell someone else about nothing personal. We're here every day for you. 45 minutes of stuff. Sometimes the right stuff, too. Sometimes the wrong stuff, but definitely stuff. You can follow us on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button. Download, rate, review, subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe. This is a segment we do where you ask a question, we answer the question, and you do it in DMs on Twitter or Instagram, at David P. Sampson. News came out yesterday that Major League Baseball had signed a huge national TV rights extension with Turner Network. It's a seven-year extension through 2028. I can't even picture 2028. I feel like 2020 will never end. Someone asked, does the new MLB national TV deal mean that baseball is healthy and people are watching? Can I expect payroll increases now? Perfect question. Thank you. All right. Let's get, let, let's give you some facts about these TV deals and what they mean. Let's start with the knowledge that you now have. Stop associating rights fees with ratings. They are not correlated in any way. You'll be told differently by everyone. You'll hear Major League Baseball ratings are down. There's panic in the streets. Baseball is dying on the vine because they're trying to change the rules or because they're too traditional or because it's too slow or because they're not changing enough or because they're not embracing technology or, and, if, but. Nope. Here's what networks need. It's called content. The reason networks need content is networks are paid money by cable providers. Cable providers are paid money by you. Now, when I say cable, I mean traditional cable, but if you're a cord cutter, I also mean the other platforms that you use to get the networks that show your sports, whatever they are you pay. And when you pay money to these platforms, you are paying it with the expectation that you will receive content in return. So the networks have to go and find the content, like nothing personal, for example, or like Major League Baseball. Live sports content, DVR-proof content, is gold. Ratings? What are they, counting people with Nielsen boxes? What are they, seeing how many people are in the bar watching the game? Do they pay attention to how many people are on their phones making bets, live betting? BetMGM is a new app. There's live betting. William Hill a great partner of CBS, live sports content. It does not matter what the ratings are because Turner or CBS doesn't matter. Name it. They get the content. They then go to the cable provider and say, pay me the money because I am providing you with what you need to charge the consumer. Turner decided to pay $3.75 billion. That's if you add up all the years. Major League Baseball has a deal right now with Fox for over $5 billion. They signed an extension. ESPN is in the middle of a current deal for $5 billion. So everybody is saying billions of dollars. Wow. How could there be a team with a $50 million payroll? Sign that guy. Pay that guy more. Raise your payroll. Let's do the math. Turner is paying Major League Baseball an extra $300 million a year. An extra, excuse me. I'm going to, for math purposes, let's say it's an extra $210 million a year. In this extension. A tremendous increase. Now do the math. $210 million divided by 30 teams is $7 million. When we had TV deals that were national with the Marlins, I would call the league office and I would ask the following two questions. One, what is the net value to each team? I don't care what the Phillies are getting or the Mets or the Yankees or the Twins or the Dodgers. What are the Marlins getting? What's their share? I'd be told with the Turner deal, $7 million. Okay. Thank you. I now have $7 million more that I can either cut my losses or I could make in profit or I could sign a $7 million player. Get on the board, Coca. Get out there, you scout. How many difference makers do you get for $7 million? But there's another question I asked. How much of that $7 million are you actually going to give in cold, hard cash every year of that deal? What do you mean, you must be asking? Well, here's a little known, tiny, dirty secret in Major League Baseball. All of the money that the central office gets paid, and they get paid with all the national broadcast deals, sponsored by Camping World, sponsored by Pepsi or Coke or Pepsid or Viagra, Whatever it is, all the national TV deals, all that money, not all money gets distributed to the clubs. Hundreds of millions of dollars are withheld and kept for a rainy day for a work stoppage. That money is used to pay expenses in the central office, salaries of all the employees, rent in the office building all of the meetings that happen, all the jewel events, everything. All the money the central office takes in, there is a profit. Don't get me wrong. That profit is distributed to teams, but not all of it. So the critical question of how much and do we get it all distributed? So does this new TV deal mean that baseball is healthy and people are watching? It has nothing to do with people watching or baseball being healthy, both of which I think are happening and do exist. Can you expect payroll increases right now? No. Not relevant at all. Sorry. So you want to talk to Samson. When we come back, Space Week comes to an end with an incredible... Overwhelmingly positive, amazing movie. There's a lot of stuff to break down. We'll be right back. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment Welcome back to Nothing Personal on September 25th, 2020. Every day we review a movie, we review a TV show. We've been doing Space Week. A lot of you enjoyed this sit down with Terry Virts, the astronaut. We reviewed his documentary called The Beautiful Planet a couple days ago. Yesterday we reviewed a Netflix miniseries called Challenger Final Flight. Today we are reviewing what many people would describe as the greatest space movie ever made. I still happen to think it's interstellar. There was a movie called The Right Stuff. Coca, I'm not stopping the show to tell people that you think the greatest space movie is Armageddon. I'm not doing it. Coca tried to convince me this before the show. Preparation for the show. He's going to be pissed after the show. Armageddon is a popcorn phenomenal action movie that happens to take place in space. It's not a space movie. That's like saying Space Jam is a space movie. That's like saying the Flintstones was a space TV show. The Right Stuff is a movie based on a book written. By the way, it is the Jetsons. Thank you, Coca. (laughs) Yes, it's Friday. For Christ's sake. The Right Stuff was based on a book by Tom Wolfe called The Right Stuff. Starring Sam Shepard, Dennis Quaid. It is a movie about the original Mercury 7 astronauts. These were the first seven men who were assigned to become astronauts. It's how space started, in theory. It is a very long movie, three hours plus. It is riveting. One part of the movie that you would think doesn't fit is that Sam Shepard plays a man called Chuck Yeager. Chuck Yeager never flew in space. He was never an astronaut. Chuck Yeager, according to the NASA recruiters who were trying to hire astronauts, played by Harry Shearer and Jeff Goldblum, by the way, when they were very young, said that they're looking for men with the right stuff and that Chuck Yeager didn't go to college. He doesn't have the right stuff. Chuck Yeager was the first man to break the speed of sound, break the sound barrier. Chuck Yeager may be the greatest pilot in the history of mankind, period. There's a lot of time in the movie spent about Chuck Yeager, his story. He's married to a young Barbara Hershey in the movie. Although his wife actually is in the movie, tries to pick him up at the bar. The movie goes through how the program starts, how these astronauts were trained, how these astronauts decided what it was going to be like in space, what NASA needed them to do. It went through the trials and tribulations. It went through what we may not think about anymore, but the race to the moon and the race to get a man in space. Alan Shepard, first man in space. John Glenn, first man to orbit the Earth. It's all in this movie. The pressure on America during the Cold War to outdo Russia is something that younger people cannot appreciate. Now, when you think of Russia, you're thinking of election fraud. You're thinking of human rights abuses. It's a different kind of war right now with Russia. Back in the day, it was all ego. It was all to become a world superpower. Query, who are the world superpowers now? If you haven't seen the right stuff, I really encourage you to do more than give it a small chance please watch this movie. I believe that Terry Virg said it was his favorite movie, and I can certainly see why. Those Mercury 7 astronauts, they certainly did have the right stuff. And a call out to you as well, because you did too, Chuck. Okay, let's revisit the New York Mets right now. I got a, f- a couple baseball things to talk about as we head toward the playoffs. Final weekend. When we convene again, we will know who's in the playoffs. There is an amazing race going on in the National League. The Marlins have a chance to clinch tonight if they win and the Phillies lose. That excites me. The whole National League race excites me. The team that is not going to be in the playoffs, which is hard to imagine in an expanded year. The Mets are not officially eliminated, but they're not going to make it. The Mets are being sold, as you recall, to Steve Cohn. We've talked about what he's going to do as owner. We know that Brody Van Wagenen, done. We know that the Ponds are not going to keep running it, which is what they wanted last time they were negotiating with Steve Cohn. Wilpons are out. Steve Cohn has a deal in place and is right now trying to get 23 votes to get approved. Why would Steve Cohn come out with the following statement? Yesterday, we talked about his statement upon announcing a deal was done with the Mets. I didn't like that he came out in that statement. And it's happening again. If I am fortunate enough to be approved by Major League Baseball as the next owner of this iconic franchise, Sandy Alderson will become president of the New York Mets and will oversee all Mets baseball and business operations. Sandy is an accomplished and respected baseball executive who shares my philosophy of building an organization and a team the right way. I'm excited to have Sandy in a key leadership role with the Mets if my purchase of the team is approved. Let's go Mets. Let's go Mets. Let's go Mets. Mets. Steve, I want to help. Please let me help. And I do this without ego. I do it without any level of criticism. I do it out of love for the Mets and baseball. The only people who are interested today that Sandy Alderson is going to take over are the very people whose votes you need and the very people who don't want you speaking in public about the things you're going to do. If in fact you get approved. I absolutely understand why you would bring Sandy Alderson back. I understand Sandy Alderson's view in baseball, and I do think that that decision may get you some votes because you've got to make sure that teams do not think you're going to start spending like a complete crazy person, bringing in every free agent overpaying because owners don't like that because you're bringing up everyone else's salary and you're not letting them sign the good players. They don't want you to be good. They don't want you to win no matter what you think. Owners don't root for each other. Sandy Alderson is known for building a team on small budgets, having worked with the A's. He worked with the Mets for many years as well. He's really good at what he does. When you are going to make a decision like that, you tell the commissioner. The commissioner then uses that as an arrow in his quiver to make sure that he helps you get the 23 votes, you don't say anything publicly. How many people on social media have a vote as to whether or not you get approved? Ding dong. How many people in the general media have a vote as to whether or not you get approved? Ding dong. Zero you've got to have people helping with your PR strategy. You unveil Sandy after the vote, after you're approved in your first press conference, when you show your fan base and your corporate sponsors what you will do differently, why you will not have new owner Inus, why you will make sure to build a sustained winner that the fans can be proud of and that New York City can be proud of and the state of New York, the five boroughs. You give your vision. You give your 100-day plan. You don't do it now. Don't get it. Okay. There is a uh, correction that has to be made. So something we do at nothing personal is something I actually enjoy doing. And uh, I like when I get things wrong. I don't want to get things wrong, but I do. And I like that when you're paying attention. And all you have to do is contact me on Twitter. And all you have to do is tell me where I was wrong. And I promise you, I will correct it. And you don't have to start your correction with, pardon me, while I be that guy. I want you to be that guy. When I say something wrong, say it. I referred to something yesterday yesterday or at a show, we were talking about injuries. I have no recollection what it was, but I remember when I said PA, and I was referring to the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act. That is something that actually, what, what is the, uh, it, it keeps privacy of patients. It means that I can't talk about what an injury is or what's going on with the health of a player or an employee because they're protected by the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act. I referred to it as H-I-P-P-A, when in fact, I actually referred to it, excuse me, as H-I-P-P-A. It is H-I-P-A-A. Thanks for that correction. HIPAA, A. Okay. End of our show. We have a... Uh, We do wait to see at some point during the show. Wait to see is when we talk about things that are happening in the sports world. We say that uh, something's going to happen. If it does, it does. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But the difference in nothing personal is that I will go back to every single wait to see that we've done. And we've done 220 of them is my guess. This is episode 224 of non-Samson sit-downs and non-bonus episodes, sort of this type of Episode, the Nothing Personal Core episode. And we do wait to cease. Today is September 25th, 2020. Four years ago was a day that many of us will not forget. Most importantly, his family will not forget. Jose Fernandez, one of the great pitchers in Marlins' history, on, on track to be a Hall of Famer one of the most interesting players I had the honor to know often on the field, a life story that is staggering in its difficulty, escaping from the dictatorship in Cuba, coming to America, enjoying the freedom. He passed away in a boating accident along with two other men four years ago. I'm asked about that day all the time, he meant so much to so many people. It's amazing. There's so many times when athletes are mean things and and, and people love their athletes, their role models to their athletes, and sometimes they're not worthy of it. Jose, overall, was very worthy of it. What was interesting about Jose for me is that I'd never come across a pitcher or a player who had the talent level he had along with the love for the game that he had. And people use that. They overuse it so much. This guy loves playing the game. Oh, my God. Look at his passion. Look at his energy. I've had more players being described that way who I know very well who have no passion for the game, no energy for the game. It's just a its a joke. They're fooling you. Jose didn't fool anybody. He had that for real. There's so many good pitchers out there So many players who will get to go to Cooperstown. Jose never will. His career was cut short in a way that is hard to even fathom. That was a day that we had to break news to people who never thought that any accident like that could happen ever. You don't think that bad things are going to happen. And every time they happen, you think they're never going to happen again. The look on the players' faces when they came into the clubhouse that day, you know, there are things in life that you just don't forget, and they're seared into your brain, and no matter the therapy, no matter what you try, you cannot unsee something. No, you're told, turn away, don't look. You will never be able to unsee that. I've never been able to do that, except sometimes I'll put my hand over my face, but put a cracked through my fingers so I can see it. The face on these players, because no one knew what to do. I didn't know what to do. None of us knew what to say, but we knew we had to do something. We had a press conference. We answered some questions. We then went to visit his mother at his house, at the house he had bought for his mother. Losing a child is something that I can't pretend to know what it is because thank God it doesn't stop. The hurt doesn't go away. I'm still in touch with so many of the people on that team from 2016. And we always recognize and acknowledge that that was a moment in time that A, will never be forgotten. B, can never be repeated. And C, the feeling of hopelessness that you have When as a control freak, you can't control something, it's overwhelming. Today, there is no wait to see. Because you and I, it doesn't matter how long we wait. We will never get to see the greatness that Jose should have been for a much longer period of time. Both on and off the field In you go In you go.